Welcome to episode three of the Perlow Podcast. I hope everyone was listening last week as we did our special episode 2.5 where we actually described what the Low Country is because this show is not only called the Perlow Podcast, it's specifically called Perlow Podcast Top 10 Lists from the South Carolina Low Country. I am your host, Shane, and I am joined as always by your world famous listers, Mathis. Yay, yay. And Adam. Why are you saying Perlow like that? <laughs> You're like it's Perlu. Like what? What are you talking about? Uh, we want to thank everybody. We reached 100 uh, listens. Drop the confetti! Drop the confetti drop right the confetti, now! Let it down. So we know that the sponsors are going to want to get on board at this point. So we will drop our email at the end. So that way you have to listen a little bit more, and then you can email us, and we'll gladly accept your sponsorship for the show. God, I hit ignore on Bezos a minute ago. <laughs> Amazon will not sponsor this show. I want Rogaine to sponsor us. It absolutely should, and I it's want expensive. free samples. It's expensive. <laughs> or that or that hat with the light in it that regrows your hair. I'm, I'm into that one, too. <laughs> All right. So we listen to you guys as the people who, who – our, our loyal listeners and uh, somebody recommended a format change and, and we're going to give it a shot this week. A lot of people like the one list idea we did last week. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue with two lists, but instead of both of our guys coming up with their own two lists, we're going to pull a top 10 list off the internet. They haven't seen it yet. They don't know what it is. They're going to evaluate it. And then we're going to get into their list that they created for tonight's episode. So, Here's what the subjects are. The list that these guys created, their top 10 list, is the top 10 cities that developed American culture. We will discuss that after our surprise list tonight, which is Bleacher Report. Uh, Bleacher Report writer Alan Rubenstein's from September 2nd, 2010, America's Top 10 Sporting Events. That's what these guys are going to dig into first. I hear the despair from Adam. <laughs> I don't watch sport ball. <laughs> Before we get into it, we are recording on Super Tuesday um, in our state, South Carolina. Resounding win for Joe Biden. And I'm looking at the, the Super Tuesday results right now. He's doing well. Biden looks like they, you know, 7% in. He's up in Massachusetts, which is surprising on Sanders. He's up on Maine, which is surprising. He, they've already called Alabama, Virginia, North Carolina for him. So it looks like it might be another super day for him. But Bloomberg did win American Samoa, so don't let's not count him out. Well, I mean, that's Ola, the first. Oligarchs are well liked in American <laughs> Samoa. Yeah. American Samoa really appreciates a good, a real New Yorker. That's really what they want because it speaks to their inner self. Um, I just, I, I tell you, you're starting. To, what's funny about Biden <clears throat> is honestly, when you get to where there's more than just one color of people. Biden has done well. When it looks like America, Biden has done well. Yes. So I'm, I think you're starting, it's going to come, it's like everybody else said, just ride it out. Just ride it out. It'll come back to the mean eventually. Yep. Just like everything. And we'll, after we get through this first list, I'll give us another Super Tuesday update. We might know what's going on in Texas and California by then. Those are pretty important ones uh, for this uh, Democratic race. So let's get into the first list. Top 10 Sporting Events in America by Alan Rubenstein of BleacherReport.com. I hope he doesn't sue us for using his list. I think it's a positive thing. Um, it well, he is now that you brought it up, but sure, go on ahead. <laughs> September 2nd, 2010, <laughs> when he did this list. 
There are no notable omissions. We're going straight from the list. His number 10, America's top 10 sporting event, is the U.S. Open for tennis. Well, I mean, obviously three guys from the South Carolina Low Country know a ton about hardcore tennis. Um, I mean, I think about tennis. Thing about tennis to me, though, about it is it's such an international sport. I don't know that America loves it like that. I just don't. I, I'm not. You know, it's there's so many other great ones, but I will say this: the what they can do is amazing. Like when they show the the highlights of tennis are great. It's kind of like golf to me. When they show highlights of it, it's awesome. But I don't know in the moment. It's something I stop to watch. Uh, tennis is for W cubes. And what you, if you don't know what W cubes, that's W, that's a W with a little three uh, exponent next to it. And that stands for worthless white women. And those <laughs> are pretty much just uh, those white moms that everybody grew up with that they didn't do anything and you never saw them play tennis, but they were always in a tennis acquire. You know, they were in like a tennis gear. And I, I just couldn't care less about tennis. Tennis, hey. is, tennis is for affluent white people. Tennis hey. is not for the people. Be real though, is, it, is tennis the only sport that, Really, the women are more interesting than the men. Yeah, like, I would rather watch. Oh, oh I'd much rather watch women's tennis than watch three to play tennis for one. Wow! Day. Yeah. Last year, like Coco Golf, the young girl went off and and she did great and got America interested in tennis at eleven o'clock at night. Except yeah. me, you, you literally that name you could have just pulled out of like you could have seen uh, Coco Pops and something else in your house and come up with that name. And I would have believed you. I have yeah. no idea who you're talking about, but honestly, I like that women's tennis sort of like the Perlo podcast. People would rather hear and see less of it because, you know, they watch the women's only three sets versus the men's five. They're like, kind of like us. Like we like you, but if we could hear a little bit less of you, we really appreciate it. Yeah. If there was less <laughs> of you, we'd be happy. Let's move on. How about number nine on Ruben signs list? He says the MLB all-star game is number nine. I think the home run derby is better, but that's just me. I'm a home run derby person. I am too. And the, of the all-star games, first of all, if you want to rank all-star games, the NBA all-star game is definitely better, especially the uh, rule. Yeah. And the pro bowl is by far the worst. The major league. All-star all-star game, yeah. The problem with all-star games, those so that everybody's represented, there's always one guy that doesn't belong there. And he's always from the Texas Rangers. No way. Orioles as a oh. world supporter. I'm thankful for that role. <laughs> God, the teams you like are strange. <laughs> all right. Number eight. I feel like this should be much higher on the list, but it's not mine. It's his, the masters. Oh, my God, dude. Masters is like top three for me. No doubt. If you're from the South and don't love the Masters, really, we need to deport you. Like, it is 100%. It is – it just – it feels so Southern. And it's – and I know it's hard to explain this to people who aren't from here, but, like, that is the start of spring to me. When the Masters starts, spring has begun in, you know, in the South. And my – I also love the fact that when they tried to protest the Masters, they just said, fine, we'll just not have sponsors. That's how (laughs) rich those people are. (laughs) Uh, My follow-up, and I'm going to take this to our other side podcast, which is also known as Husky Boy Corner. Check us out. Uh, (laughs) The minute cheese sandwiches cost $1.50 there. And have cost great. And that's a price increase this year also. Like, Like, that's going up. I'll tell you what, it's on, I've never been. It's on my bucket list. And if any listener has tickets they're looking to get rid of for the Masters, I'm your guy. 
Hey, right. big, big Rick was a gallery guard there in high school. How jealous are you now? Extremely jealous because he was putting those giant mitts on people. Too. <laughs> I wanted to see that more than anything. Number seven. This one's important in my household, the Kentucky Derby. Mm. I like wearing a nice suit and being around horses as much as the next person. But I don't remember the last time I watched it. And honestly, the Kentucky Derby is such a tease because they win that, and then it's like, yeah, they're going to win the trip, and then it doesn't happen. Yeah, Like, it's like, hey, yeah, Barnett, was it Smarty Jones? And no. And it's, you know what? Secretary did it all. is over. <laughs> you know, I, I, it, it's important in our house. Um, obviously, my wife is from Kentucky. You got married in a horse field. Of course it's important in your house. <laughs> That's right. You were there. I was, uh, it was literally, a, we had the reception in a barn. It was so awesome. Oh, it was great. I, I think we all know how much fun I had. <laughs> all right. <laughs> before we get too deep into that, number six, we have already talked about this, and I agree. NBA All-Star Game. Dude, the new format is amazing. Yeah, like, it, it, remi- it reminds you of, <clears throat> like, the game you play in your yard, we're like we're playing to tw- you know, we're playing to twenty five. Yeah, and I'll, the only thing to make it better, somebody suggested, and I agree, you should have to win by two. Yes, I think that would be like it makes it. It they, here's the thing: the NBA understands that an All Star game is not supposed to have stakes other than bragging rights. They don't try to make it more than this. Nobody's getting a home field advantage. Nobody's. The only thing that's going to happen is guys get to brag about it later, and it's supposed to be fun, and it's fun for the fans. I think they get it absolutely right. And I think letting them letting them pick the teams is super yep, cool. I agree. Like, yeah, it feels so playground, and it feels and it just. I think everybody sees the joy in it, and you know, as much as it can be, as much as guys are playing for pride, like they really, you feel like they really are in that game. Can we just say it? The NBA has the best leadership of any professional sport. They are trying to make a product that fans want to watch. That's for sure. They actually take that into consideration. I would 100% agree. I think, obviously, football is a monster that is hard to slow down. But as far as listening to what the fans want and understanding the evolution of the game and making itself more fan-friendly, I mean, give it to Adam Silver. Understands. And and now that they're having to kind of work through some minefield right now because their their players have stand up and spoken. You hadn't seen the unrest that you see in the NFL. But I'll tell you, the NBA ownership is also – smarter about how they play those things in NFL ownership. Not the Rockets guy, but anyways. no. Hey, have right. y'all ever noticed that uh, Adam Silver looks like a vampire? I don't want to get too deep into that, <laughs> but he looks like Nosferatu. If you don't know who either of them are, look it up. Number five, First of all, I love that this is on here. I'm very happy. Daytona 500. Dale! Oh, Dale! It's oh, you broke my thing. heart. Oh, man. That's, you know what? That, I am not a NASCAR guy, man. I know that would shock. I know that shocks everyone listening because I know you think, you know, redneck from the bottom of South Carolina, he lives and dies with all those left turns, but it's just not my thing. But the fact that I know about the Daytona 500 tells you how big of an event it is. Um, it's I, – I, I can't watch it. I try. It's a big weekend, and for a lot of people it's huge. But I just – it's not my thing. Uh Fun fact, no one in my family watches NASCAR ever. Wow. Because we all have all of our teeth. And the only reason that <laughs> wow. Shane loves it 
is because Shane it. is from the Alabama part of <laughs> Pennsylvania. I am. Which he explained to me, I think the first week that I met you, you explained to me how yeah. uh, Pennsylvania works. The professor said, you got Philly on the right, Pittsburgh on the left, Alabama in the middle. And he just paused and looked at me and said, which part are you from, Shane? And I was like, damn. <laughs> You're like, I'm from the Alabama part, sir. Yes, I am. Yeah. And so I know that what I'm saying here, like, hurts Shane deeply, which is fine because I say something that hurts Shane deeply daily. So this is nothing new for him. But I uh, I don't care about NASCAR. I'm a bad person for this category. <laughs> Literally everything other than, like, the Super Bowl, I'm like, that's fine, I guess. I don't know. What, what I think is funny is when Shane brought this idea to us, when we were actually going to do this list ourselves, I at no point thought about it being just one day events. Because I, uh, there's other than the Super Bowl, there is really to me those great things. I just I don't see them all as one day deals. It's just not my. Those are not my sporting events that I really pay attention to. But I know this for a lot of people, they save their money and go into these things. They live for that one day they get to go to Daytona. Well, it's on my. That's another one on my bucket list. All right, number four. I didn't think about this. This is really accurate. The NFL draft. Oh, I have friends at the NFL draft. I mean, they literally they will have watch parties at their house. Some guys I used to coach with, they will straight up like plan their whole week, order like food well ahead of time, have it delivered. And I mean, they love the NFL draft. I think having the opportunity to go to the NFL draft might make it a bigger sporting event for you. And now that it's in Nashville, it's more of a possibility for all of us to go. But uh, or no, it's going to be in Vegas now, isn't it? I think they switch it every year. Yeah, they're going to put them on boats. Wow. Yeah. Oh. You know what, though? The NFL draft is a great example. The thing about NFL draft is, like, for teams that suck, it is a chance for them to talk mad trash for about 10 minutes. So the Browns go, we're going to win now. And then, you know, Miles Garrett hits somebody with a helmet. Well, <laughs> um, well, the other thing is, you know, every – like, when they had it in New York, the Jets fans or the Giants fans, every other pick, they'd be like, boo, you think you're a bum. <laughs> and then their pick would get there, and they'd be like, "Oh no, G man, what are you doing? Don't do that!" And the Dutch I mean, fans were never do. happy. Hey, and let's remember how smart fans are—that that Philly fans booed Donovan McNabb's pick for Ricky Williams. They wanted Ricky Williams, and they picked Donovan when they already had a running back and did not have a quarterback who could throw it more than four yards. And who was there? Wasn't there running back Ricky Waters? Like, he was solid. <laughs> yeah, he was decent. All right, number three. NFL opening night slash weekend. Who cares? <laughs> NFL, to me, doesn't get interesting until you can start watching the 15 different playoff scenarios that can come up. Yeah. Because right? we all know if Baltimore beats Pittsburgh by three on a rainy night on a Tuesday – they hold the tiebreaker versus Seattle against the L.A. Chargers, not the L.A. Rams, because <laughs> those people have to go back. And, you know, if they don't, they flip a coin and they have a potato sack race to see who gets to go. No, it's the opening weekend is not the fun part of the NFL season. It's the Sunday night games, like yeah. late in the year where it's like, oh, if they lose this, they're out. You know, like yeah. the games that matter. Yep. And, and to be honest with you, the NFL, you know, we in the South, we don't really pay attention to it until after the SEC championship. The NFL becomes more and more unwatchable every year as I get older. All right. Yeah. It, it, go ahead. <laughs> We're going to move on to number two because I Not have. He about had a stroke because I spoke out against the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bone to pick with number two because I think, I think the overall vet is right. I think they picked the wrong day. 
They're saying number two is the final four. I think it should be the opening day of the NCAA tournament. Opening day. Opening yeah, day is uh, way more fun. A hundred percent. It's the least productive day of the year. I mean, like, pe- people spend time, computers crash, especially now they've made it where you can go to that one, the March Madness website, yep. shout out, need a sponsor, um, <laughs> where you can go on and, like, you know, you put in your info. Now that everybody streams, you can go in there and find it and watch games all day. I'm saying the NCAA, while they do a lot wrong, the tournament and how it's set up for fans is a great thing. Amazing. Because even people who don't know crap about basketball have a bracket. And that opening, I'm like you, the Final Four to me, while I'm sure it's a great event, opening weekend where there is a game going on every single second of the day is just a great, great time in American and sports. Upsets and, you know, Roast Beef Tech beats Duke. And Roast Beef Brent. Tech. <laughs> Old Mercer. Mercer brought their slide rules and knocked out Duke that year. That was so uh, awesome. I got, got a, the Final I got Four. a buddy I work with who for the past 12 years, has taken the first day of the tournament off work. This is the first year he's going to go to work on the day of the tournament. Things that why, when you can basically watch it on company, you can get paid to watch it. Which nah, is he's one of those does. rule followers, you know, real square. <laughs> oh, screw, screw that guy. Real nerd. <laughs> All right. Number one, everyone would agree this is number one. I don't. I think that conference championship Sunday is better, but they say number one is the Super Bowl. Well, you're just being difficult. Yeah, I mean, you're being God. You're such a contrarian. I want to hit you in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, let's be real. Everybody watches the Super Bowl. Even people who hate football watch the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the one event ever that the commercials matter. Like that's how big that event is. You watch the I whole mean, event. You don't change yeah. in between. You know the game. Again, people rate the halftime show. Like it's that big a deal. Like it's. I mean, and I have a bone to pick with the Super Bowl because why it's not on a Saturday, I have nobody God, ever I have give, no me a, idea. give me a satisfactory explanation. But the Super Bowl is the biggest sports event in the world. I mean, I, it's I put it over the World Cup because America. But I mean, like, you know, it's it's there's no qu- the Super Bowl is the right answer. Wow, you put it over the World Cup. I'm shocked. I figured the communists like you would be in that. <laughs> You would tell totally Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in American culture. It's the center. I mean, it's the center of the American sports calendar. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I'll, all right. Listen, I think they missed a very important one, and you could argue it's number one. Is there a better day than New York New Year's Day college football bowl games? Well, it used to be the best. I'll agree with you that, like, you know, I love the college football playoff, but pre-college football playoff when New Year's games still kind of were the big deal to make it. Yeah, that was the best. Yeah, well, I had an epiphany this year. I was trying to figure out why, like, I used to remember, remember they used to have, like, the CarQuest.com, you know, Meineke Bowl on, like, those cra- those kind of, you know, ancillary bowls were all on New Year's Day, too. So there was never a second there wasn't one on. I couldn't figure out why. Then I realized that Disney owns all the bowl games. Every single one of them. Yeah. So, like, that's why they go on forever now. Those they used to stack those games up, but Disney has no benefit in keeping those games and competing with itself. So you don't get those games anymore. And I'm like you, Gamble. I agree. It used to be great when you could watch. You literally, my dad had it timed out to where 
you could be watching a play every second because you just had that many pictures and pictures. Yeah, you woke up at 10 o'clock and, yeah. the first, and the Outback Bowl kicked off at 11 and you didn't go to bed till 1 a.m. when the Sugar Bowl was done. Oh, no, I mean, yeah. they hold you post up with your family. You might take a break to go eat the, if you're sauerkraut. from the South, the New Year's Day meal. Sauerkraut. I have no idea what that is. Pennsylvania Dutch thing. Well, that wow. is a monstrous thing to eat. Rotten cabbage. Your That's food awesome. tastes bad and hurts you. <laughs> hey, my dad has a party every year called the Chili Bowl, and literally, he would hey, he would have, he would get up and have it going by nine o'clock, so you could be eaten by eleven for the first game to watch Carolina kick the crap out of Ohio State, <laughs> which is kind of like which is a Carolina tradition for like fourteen years. Right. <laughs> We'll keep any tradition we can get, my friend. Now you're lucky to make. Now you lose to Virginia in the Belt Bowl. I don't All right, talk about on that, that note, great job, great job with this list. <laughs> Excellent job. That, that I hope you know everyone uh, like what we did. Tell us how we can improve on uh, analyzing someone else's list. If you have a list that you want to suggest to us, you can send them to us. I'll give you our email at the end. Super Tuesday update: Texas, twenty-four percent in. Bernie's in the lead. Nah, he, he was he was supposed to be leading though. He was gonna lead that regardless. I don't obviously there's a lot of Russians in Texas that I was unaware of. <laughs> um Biden's leading in Massachusetts and Maine. That those two are surprising considering they're so close to Vermont. Oklahoma, he's winning in, not surprised there. Tennessee, Biden's winning in. Arkansas, that's really close. Colorado, Bernie's in the lead. Bloomberg's in second. Minnesota, Biden's in the lead. He got that Amy. Um um, uh, bump. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to find the word bump there. Yep. Well done. Yep. Sorry. So, that's your super you didn't update. Bump. <laughs> oh. oh, man. So, for those of you that don't care about the Democratic primary, sorry, you just got informed on it. So, Chris, um, <laughs> let's go on to our next list. This one has the most crossovers of any list we've done so far. And not shocking. some of the most important notable omissions of anyone we've done so far. I'm super excited about this list. They did not like it because they thought it was too arbitrary. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so broad. It's huge. And I think it's like what I mean, and, and again, it's not defined. I know you like to give us things to see where we're going to go with it, but like it can it gives you there's so many ways you can look at it because what is culture? Like, you define it 50,000 ways, but, I mean, it should be interesting. Well, it's tonight's list is the top 10 cities that developed American culture. They did a great job with it. Both of them took it two different ways. I'm interested to see how they argue it. But before we get into their list, let's go into notable omissions. I got four tonight. I had had to have a fourth. Okay. First one, notable omission, San Francisco, hippie culture. I mean, West Coast Port, all those things. It's, and I'll say this, and the one that nobody, I mean, and not only that, but it's the first city to really embrace gay culture. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, and, and that, as that becomes a bigger part of America, it's not a, it's not a bad pick. Um, but to me, though, it's, there's other, there's other choices that could fit that even better. Um, I like my picks better. And when you look from a world perspective, which I did, uh, I still pick mine over San Francisco. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Second notable omission: Paris, France. Every colonial city was designed after Paris. 
you know, enlightenment, all the encyclopedias, everything. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I mean, you could take that, but then I could also take Barbados, you know, as Amer- as significant on American culture. And, you know, and I would accept that argument. I think it'd be a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I look it also, it seemed cliche to me to say Paris. I thought about it and I said, I just, and plus, you know, screw the French. You know, they, they if, if if we hadn't bailed their ass out in World War II, they'd be speaking German right now. Okay. Wow. How about, okay. We're going to go about, there tonight. How about the next one? Washington, D.C. The nation's capital is not even on this. It's a swamp. What has it done for the culture? Of oh, right. Wow. Did, did you did, did, did you really just go there? Oh, my God. Drink. Wow. I'm talking about a physical location that is physically <laughs> in a swamp <laughs> on the Potomac River. Uh, I think, yeah, I just, I didn't, I feel like other cultures, I think like other cities informed Washington's culture, not the other way around. Okay, fair. I just, I brought it up as our nation's capital. All right, and our last notable omission, the first capital of the United States, York, Pennsylvania. There's only one person I know from there. And I can't say all of his problems on the podcast. (laughs) Well, let's be real. When I think culture, I think shame. So I mean, obviously, I obviously I left that one off, and I feel like I now must go and you know say ten hail marys to Jerry Sandusky, and I keep moving forward. Uh, there we go. I thought, move on to I the thought we were not number two worst person ever. You just dropped there. All right, let's move on to our list. We got Mathis's top ten. We got Adam's top ten. We'll count down ten through one. If they have a crossover, which they have four tonight, we'll skip over it. I'll mention it. We'll save it for when it gets to the person who is higher on their list. So. We'll start with Mathis. His number 10 is a crossover, so we'll hear from that one later. So we're going to get into Adam's number 10, Austin, Texas. How are we starting with Mathis if the first thing you say is it's a crossover <laughs> and we're starting with me? I want to get it out the way. Well, I mean, you literally just told them, hey, we're not going to talk about this, and then said, all right, let's talk about it. Anywho, Austin, Texas. I liked Austin, Texas as a pick because I think a lot of the – a lot of the hipstery stuff we see right now comes from Austin, Texas, but also generally America's like music and culture scene. A lot of it has come from Austin, Texas, particularly like uh, a lot of modern country and outlaw country. Mine was real music based. Now that I think yeah, about it, I think, I, made, yeah. I, think um, I made my question music based. <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about. Well, because, I mean, but because culture and music go hand in hand. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I, I'll tell you, I think what's funny is keep Austin weird has like seeped in the cities that aren't Austin, Texas. Like mm-hmm. you see those bumper stickers and stuff other places. Um, I think you're right. That hipster culture. When I think of hipster culture, I do think of Austin or Portland. Because you know, I think Austin had it first. Keep it's a tha- weird. Yeah, it's a thousand degrees and everybody's wearing flannel. Um, and it was funny. Is it seeping into everywhere? Because I'd never thought that Charleston, South Carolina, would become that. And Boy, you did they. Well, I tell you, what, you can't hit a rock and not hit a men's barbershop that you know does the f- the fade with the little flip over in the gel, and men are doing beard manscaping things, and it's very very sad. And I'm look I'm looking at you, Park Circle. You know who I'm looking at? I don't it's- think there's one man with a mustache in Charleston who could whoop my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a, the in the handlebar because they're so because they're so unique. You know oh, what I'm saying? Man, like they're real individuals, being like every other spindly, 170 pound adult. Like and, a, a, and again, what's wrong with Budweiser? We got along with Budweiser for a long time, and now everybody's got to make their own beer. 
Well, the Budweiser will do it. Ruin PBR. Hey, <laughs> PBR now goes for four and a half dollars a bottle down here. Oh, when right. I was a lad, PBR was bought from the Kroger because it was all you could afford. <laughs> Number nine on Adam's list: Miami, Florida. Dude, I was gonna put that. That's a good pick. I, I mean, if you think about the '80s, all of '80s culture was Miami. Yeah. The drug wars, Miami Vice, the neon stuff, the way people dress—I mean, and that culture has seeped out long. Even like the music, like like the weird synthesizer music of the '80s is all kind of Miami based. And then all early rap music, like Two Live Crew and explicit rap, comes from Miami. The Miami well, and- Hurricanes set what college football looked like for the next 30 years well and then then it keeps going because then you have like the latin explosion of the early 2000s with you know and even people like weren't from there but i mean mark anthony had a daggum number one album you know what i'm saying like those those things i it's that becomes a big part of who america when i think of latin culture even though people who aren't from miami it feels very miami i agree i think that's a good pick all right number nine for mathis tokyo japan I picked that one because I went a whole different way than Adam did. Yes, I went, did. I I went honestly. What kind of influence? What became? What influenced almost world culture, but then kind of seeped into America? What's funny to me is think about just food, and this is so fat. Oh my su- god, Fat Men Corner, here we come, hey, Husky but, Boy Corner. But sushi, man, like that was like a fringe thing, and it has come over and like. Every, you can't throw a rock. I mean, I like takeout sushi places. Hibachi restaurants? Yeah. I mean, oh, God. It's more than just Benihana people. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's that Japanese culture. Like, think people talk about it a lot, but think about it. Japanese culture, just in food alone, is a major thing we see now. And then you start talking about business in America. You know, Jap- the Japanese take their culture of how they treat each, of how they treat people and the insular nature of it. And they go to the nth degree of it, but we're taking some efficiency things from them, um, learning how to be more efficient, and just I, that's why I picked them. Um, felt like it was felt felt like they have influenced some of what we did. It's been kind of a cross culture back and forth, but I feel like when you think about Asian culture, what Asian culture has influenced America, felt like Tokyo was the one. Did you seriously just cite Japanese business culture? JBM baby, that America has adopted JBM. <laughs> Same. <laughs> in what way have you ever ever spent 20 minutes of formal greetings with your superiors and then if someone comes have to you- a meeting you offer them a gift <laughs> they have to refuse the gift you have to insist on the gift and then they take it anyway okay I'll admit that probably has not happened but say what you want to have you been to the south and ever started a meeting on time like say what you want to like it goes back and it goes back and forth of I was looking more at the idea of efficiency and how we do and how we do things now. We've taken things from them, um, but they've taken things from us too. So I think it's oh, I went the opposite they took way. something from us. They took two things from us. We made them take, and then you know <laughs> we took their their industry and then their right to write their own constitution. We took that yeah. too, and their na- and their national defense. Also, See? the hibachi <laughs> argument. That doesn't prove that Americans love Japanese culture. It proves that Americans love mayonnaise. <laughs> like that pink sauce at the Japanese restaurant. You know what the people that own those places call that sauce? They call it redneck sauce because those are the people who ask for it. Wow. First of all, that's that's all the right. closest thing to Japanese culture I know. So once again, <laughs> the, the, what is it, Miyabi's and Merle's Inlet? Yeah, that's, that's home away from home. It's now called Pachaya. All right, they changed the ownership. All right, 
Well, I'm never going back. <laughs> number eight. Screw them. Number eight on Matt's list. Rome, <laughs> Italy. Dirtiest place I've ever been. I mean, Rome itself, when you think about the when you think about basically culture, but basically imperialism in general. I mean, people had done take taken over before, but Rome really, I mean, the the things they have that are involved in just the the art and the and just even Catholicism. I mean, the whole idea of basically what we know as culture in art and music and those things from the Renaissance and those kind of things we have moving forward. I feel like Rome was a is a major part of who America is, and it goes farther back. It goes, I mean, it's who we are as people in general. And I try not to make this list European centric, but it's hard to do that when that culture is kind of who all cultures are. And so I picked. I thought Rome was a good one because um, once again, I wanted to get I wanted to get outside of America in general, and I felt like that was a solid pick. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like it. I'm good with it. You know, Imperial Rome. Roman culture, kind of the root of ours, you know, a republic that we quasi modeled ours after. I'm on board. Well, no, think about this. He think about and even knew I want to talk about this hedonism. Like you think about like, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we ha- we're we're a lot we're a lot less prudish now than we were, but that's a lot. There's a lot of that in, Ro- in ancient Rome too. Oh my <laughs> dude, we're such prudes comparatively speaking to them now. I mean, they would not even blink at some of the pink-haired people running around now. But we would be in utter disgust of the things they were doing. Number eight on Adam's list. I'm surprised that he has it and Mathis doesn't, since Mathis is such a low country guy. Adam's number no, he's eight. Not. He's Charleston. So you mean, you know what? That was I got him stuttering. Such a homer pick. God, it's such it's. I, and I did it because I knew y'all would expect me to do it, and I didn't. And I should have, and I feel bad that I didn't. Go ahead. I think Charleston's culturally significant because it kind of set the model of the South historically. And now Charleston's experiencing this weird kind of renaissance of being the cultural center of the South because it's where everybody is looking to. Like, now there's this Garden and Gun magazine that, like, you know, spouts about Charleston all the time. It's the top city in the world, apparently. It's a major tourist destination. <laughs> And that's kind of like the cultural image of the American South for a lot of people. I 100% agree, man. I mean, I, it is the number one tourist city in the world. Like, you know, it, it, you think about the idea of like everybody's put, everybody wants to have that. Everybody's got a pineapple in their front yard now. Like, it's a thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, everybody wants to kind of be Charleston. And for nobody, I mean, even people who live outside way off. You know, I don't want to get too off topic here, but there's a neighborhood in Columbia where if you have a pineapple in front of your house, it means you're a swinger. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Did not know that. That's a fun fact to throw into your anecdote (laughs) on Charleston. (laughs) Number seven on Adam's list. To me, this would be number one, Chicago, Illinois. Does Burnett have any on this list? I do. I do. I feel like I've done a hundred. Hey, he's got your top five littered. Oh, yeah. Well, terrific. All right. Uh, Chicago is an important city just because it's like a big meat and potatoes, electric blues, Chicago Bears kind of town. Dub the Bears. Dub Bears. It's the every, Bulls everything the about Indiana. America is Chicago. Morbid obesity and sports. Yeah, I'm on board. That's why you know what, the Continental Railroad, Heartland here's, of the West. I what I hate about Chicago, though, is that everybody who's ever so from Chicago – 
feels the need to tell you they're from Chicago. I'm a Chicago guy. You got to understand, I'm a Chicago dude. Like, First of all, no, you're not. Your ass is probably from Evanston or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's Scary. not. It, it, I, will, I will say that, and I'll say this. They, well, they feel like they've done something because they only get 100 days above freezing. So, yeah. like, they really appreciate that. But I think it's funny that Pete, Chicago is a place kind of like Boston in New York where sport – and this is a sports thing – where people adopt their team even if they're from way the hell off. Like yeah. there are there are Cubs fans who've never been to Chicago because they just they want to be steeped in that kind of mystique of Chicago. Um, and let's be real, they had for a time in the NBA, they had the best basketball team I had ever seen take a court. I mean, they the Bulls transcended basketball, and I'm um, and Michael Jordan is. If you, no matter how you feel about him as a player, as an icon, there is nobody any better. And he, he is Chicago, even though he's from North Carolina. Space Jam, bro. Yeah. I mean, hey, what else do I have to say? Listen, I used to watch WGN and Cubs games all the time. Chicago is number one. Again, somebody explain to me why that's on down here. Why <laughs> does WGN exist in this part of the world? Harry Carey. Do you think it's like some kind of government plot or something to like brainwash us? Or... Is WGN where the Max Headroom incident happened? Yes, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I listened to that... the podcast on that once. That was interesting. All right, you got to look that up. If you need to look something up, listen to stuff you should know. Max Headroom incident, and then Google it. It's interesting. All right, Mathis number seven. We'll see it later on Adams. Number six for Mathis. This one I thought was very smart. Jerusalem. Go ahead. Tell me how Jerusalem doesn't affect culture. <laughs> I uh, why would I argue? I didn't even. I wasn't even pretending. I mean, Jerusalem affects world culture because it is world religion. Like Islam, Christianity, Judaism, all that touches there, and that affects American culture because we love a good religious fight. Like, have you? Has anybody turned on Fox News lately? I mean, it's. It's all about, I mean, some of our xenophobia is tied up in our real need to be religiously correct. It's, I think it, it, everything about us, Jerusalem kind of speaks to it. And I'm always been amazed by that just because I'm amazed at people that are fighting over a place rather than an idea. And that to me is what Jerusalem is. And it's always fascinating me. And I think it affects our culture because you still there are preachers out here right now that will try to convince you that we that we need to give money for freedom for fighters to hold on to the Holy Land. Like it's it happens now because it's that much. It's that tied into American culture. Uh, There's a very large contingent uh, in this country that uh, believes that the the biblical apocalypse is going to happen in Israel and that our step of, uh, you know, moving our embassy to Jerusalem moves it along. And I definitely say that Jerusalem influences a large, large voting block and yeah. money spending block of this country. What I mean, that billboard going into downtown Charleston says Charleston stands with Israel. I don't know. There's like 30 that are like, you're going to hell and that, you know, God forgives yeah. you and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about the idea. I mean, there are people who will tell you that Al Gore lost because of his, you know, his kind of ha- his not his not strong stance to help out, you know, 
Israel in his election. I mean, it's it affects everything. It just it's so much a part that that whole it, the, the whole Israel argument affects American politics so much. And that affects American culture. So I thought it was a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Good. So number six for Adam. This place is awesome. And, you know, as we record this, you know, they're going through a tough time right now with tornadoes. From yes. I hope everyone's okay. We're praying for them. Uh, number six for Adam is Nashville. Good pick. Nashville's an amazing American city. Music. It was kind of the, the old frontier western city. And just musically speaking, it is country music. Yeah, I don't think you can't you can't be a country artist and not be a national. Like I don't think you can do that. Like oh, it's like yeah. against the laws of country music. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it is a sin if you're not in Nashville. Although I will say this, some of what Nashville is putting out country music wise right now, it's very bad. <laughs> uh everything Eric Church is good, so Oh my god. Say Eric Church. I just said all the other people with shiny jeans are bad. Oh, God, the the, re- the rebel country, man. My dad pokes a hole through his uh, radio every time it comes on. I, I'm just saying, I if if I don't think that you are as fat as me, I don't know if I want to hear you as a country singer. <laughs> Which is why Luke Combs is a perfect country singer. I know he's as fat as I am. It's all the Dixie Chicks' fault, man. It's 100 percent that 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 started you know, the slide. I really blame Rascal Flats. I'm not even sure they are country music, but somehow they get put in there. All right. What a redneck conversation this is. <laughs> number five is a first our first crossover. It's number five for Adam. It's number seven for Mathis. The ATL. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. You're Call not you're lame. not you're you're not allowed to do that. We're, do none that. of us in none of us in this conversation are allowed to do that. I um, literally am <laughs> only allowed to call it Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I mean I, and I know, and musically, as as Adam's list has gone through here, that's where Crunk starts, man. And that's Little John, even though he's from, you know, South Florida. That's where, you know, rap music in Atlanta is a real thing, buddy. And that is a cultural deal that has permeated America right now. Um, even before you get into historical significance of Atlanta, like, that is the, that is the major city of the South. Like... I don't know how you could think when you, I mean, I think that, and then the Olympics are held there. Like everything about Atlanta is what people think of the American South. Just the 1994 outcast album, Southern playlist at Cadillac music, in case you're wondering the name uh, would put Atlanta on this list. That moment in 94 plus the 96 Atlanta Olympics. Those are amazing. Everything after it makes Atlanta one of the most culturally significant cities in american history think about also think about atlanta is the home of dr martin luther king jr and kind of the center i mean birmingham alabama gets a lot of credit but it's the center for a lot of the leadership of the civil rights movement hey forget hey not only that and this is a much less important statement as i say it i realize how it's going to sound it's coca-cola oh coca-cola is american culture like coca-cola is american what's the you know there's the warhol Yes, Chick Fil A. I know. Settle down. I know that. Oh my God! Right he... now you're pitching a tent because we talk about Chick Fil A. <laughs> but there's a great quote by Andy Warhol that goes: "The president has a Coke, Elizabeth Taylor has a Coke, and you have a Coke, and nobody's Coke is better than anybody else's Coke. It's all the same." <laughs> and that's the truth, though. I'm drinking. A, I'm actually drinking a Coke right now. As we do. Yeah. 
So <laughs> I want you to think about it from this perspective too. I'm bringing it to a sports sense. Atlanta's always on the forefront of the top stadium technologies. I mean, they're yeah, knocking the down new stadiums stadium to build new ones. What'd you say? Terrible teams usually, except for the Braves for a long time. But I mean, I mean, yeah, great. Um, yeah, Turner Field was awesome. Quick sidebar before we get to Adams number four: a guy is going to tightrope over a volcano tomorrow night on ABC. Yeah, his family does that. Oh, is it like the fly? Is it the Walendas or yeah, whatever? Walinda. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's insane. I'm sorry. I'm good on the volcano. Uh, I, I'll probably still watch because I'm. I I'm, sure will be watching though. We'll <laughs> talk about it next time on Perlo Podcast. All right, number four for Adam. Barbecue Central, Memphis. You know, I didn't pick it for Husky Boy reasons, though I have had barbecue in Memphis, and it is really, really good. I picked it because it's the birthplace of. Uh, again, I just did a music list. I should have done music. <laughs> I I picked it because Elvis and Three Six Mafia. Oh, three. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I've been to Graceland and I have seen grown women cry in that gift shop. My that's dad a is real, one of those grown women. Th- that, that's a real thing, man. Like, that, I did not realize. Mom and, and my parents grew up with Elvis. And it's funny to me that Elvis was considered to be a, you know, adult, as much as grown folks hate rap music now, that was Elvis was the rap music of his time. And like, you think about, those people, my, I mean, people go in there, and that dude was such a star, and really brings black music into acceptability in America. Like he covered a ton of black artists. Yeah, I mean, El- Elvis was a. The part that we never talk about is Elvis stole. Like stole is a tough word, but he really took a lot from black musical culture and brought it into the mainstream. And they didn't really ask him to do that. Like he took. Oh, I would say quite the opposite that they would prefer if he did not do that. Yeah, but but Memphis is a great pick, and and Memphis is getting getting a new kind of rep, man. Like they've really kind of stepped up. And what's funny, you made fun of the barbecue earlier, but that really is a thing there. Like, oh no, it's good stuff. I'm not making fun of it. I had a lot of it. But I think, but I think more than just it's good. I think like people are starting to identify that that food style and they've kind of gravitated towards it in Memphis. And I mean, God, I can't even believe it. And FedEx. FedEx. Not, that's what, hey, isn't that where, isn't that, didn't Castaway, he lived in Memphis when it started? I think I, so. I don't know. Is that where Wilson's from? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Mathis is number four and three are crossovers later. So we're going to get in. We're going to just work up Adam's list. Adam's number three. Is also a crossover of Mathis. It's Mathis's number 10. Adam's number three. Mathis says Hollywood. Adam says Los Angeles. Discuss. I mean, movies are movies are central to culture, and Hollywood puts those out better than anybody else. I mean, and I'm a movie fanatic. That is what I love to do is go watch movies. And so more than that, though, but it influences everything about our entire culture. When you want to look at how we've grown as a society, look at the movies that are in, in movies that are being shown. Um, I feel like Hollywood and even how people in Hollywood dress and act is a big part of who, who we are. So that's why I picked Hollywood. Yeah, I think L.A. sets cultural trends with movies, and I also think it sets it with fashion. But it also – L.A. and just mass media from L.A. in general set what is culturally acceptable and normal now. That yeah. what your celebrities support and think is normal and trendy, whether you agree with me or not, is what a lot of mainstream America follows now. 
Yeah. Well, you think about the idea of people are getting paid to be, I mean, they're Instagram celebrities and that, and that's an LA thing. Like those people live, I mean, that's a very LA thing. I think it was Paris Hilton did that, uh, did some kind of reality show about, you know, Hollywood dreams or something about people who had moved out there trying to make it. And the way they make it now is so different because you don't need those, the old technologies to be famous. You can be famous from your smartphone and that's still, but it's still, they go to LA to do it. It's because that's where, that's what sets the culture. All right. Uh, Moving up Adam's list. Speaking of culture, speaking of uh, places where famous people want to go, where they want to be, it's Adam's number two. It's Mathis number three. It's the Big Apple, New York City. Yeah, I picked New York because when other people think about the United States, that's the first thing they think about. It's the setting of every, I mean, the Godfather. All movies, just about, I <laughs> feel like they're set in New York. I mean, most music, rap, punk, I mean, rock, early rock, folk, all come from New York. I mean, it's the center of American culture. Yeah, and when I, when when you say American city, you think of New York. Yeah, I mean it. It just it is. I mean it absolutely is. It's it's got a long history. It's got a ton of things that happen. I mean the biggest American tragedy ever happened yeah. in New York. Yeah. I mean on by design. I mean it's the yeah. the city that you know America views as the biggest representation of itself. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I tell you this shit. When the aliens come, they're certainly not coming to Sumter. I've <laughs> they're going to New York City. Oh, that's good. That that's absolutely true. I said New York, it, it, it explains itself, man. I mean, it just it and also New York, another city where the people who are from there feel the need to tell you that they are from there. I'm from New York, man. That's how I, you know I can't hold my tongue. That makes you a jerk whether you're from New York or St. Stephen. It does not matter. No. <laughs> All right. Sliding over to Mathis' list before we get up to our number ones. Mathis, number two, across the pond, London, England. I feel like London for a lot of the same reasons we said L.A. Because I think London, for when you think about fashion and those, fashion and film and art and literature, I mean, the, the literature is a big one. Yeah, you, you, you think, I mean, God, Shakespeare is the basis of what movies become. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you know, he started that, that whole idea of the theater is a cultural thing, and that seeps over to America. Um, I feel like Dickens is a huge part of American culture because it put, even though, we, you know, it's the same kind of stories over, it's the same stories we see over here. You know, I feel like L- London is an important city to America, and it's probably, People disagree. I feel like it's our closest cousin. Um, when I think, I think New York and London are very close to each other. Um, when you think about iconic cities and how people view them, and I think they have a lot in common. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can argue that London is not a global city, a cultural city, and I mean, being the motherland of this country, it definitely has yeah. a cultural impact on us. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, just to even how we plan old colonial cities yep and sidebar here if you look at america the cultural centers for different things are different cities the cultural center for our government is dc cultural center for fashion is new york the cultural center for 
you know, entertainment is L.A. But in places like England, the cultural center for all that is London. Yeah. And you got Manchester, you know, to some degree, yeah, musically London. speaking, in, industrial speaking, but nothing like London. Yeah. London. London's a global megacity. It's you know, like Tokyo. You know, the United States is just built different than these old European countries with everything is all the cultural centers are in one. You know, we have room. I mean, my God, the room. Yeah. Um, I mean, Texas and France are the same size, for God's sake. Wow. So, Mathis number one, we'll do that first. And then Adams number one is a crossover with Matt, something lower on Mathis' list. Mathis number one is Silicon Valley. I thought this was very intriguing. Number one answer. This is such a you answer, too. Yeah. It is. I, I, I split. I, and I know Silicon Valley is outside of LA. Like, I know that. Um, but like, I think it's outside of San Francisco. San Francisco, excuse me. I, my, I'll be honest with you. I could not pick out Silicon Valley, Valley in a map if I tried. But I do, but in, which is a, proves my point also, is that I know where it is because that's how much it affects us. Like, to me, when you think about what our culture is today, it's all about what's on that phone. And those apps and th- that technology is developed in Silicon Valley. And so that affects our culture, and, it, and so that makes it an important city. I think that's a great one for the past 30 years, and I, I cannot yep. argue against that one at all. I, I think if you're looking at the whole scope of American history, I, I think that the city that I picked, number one, might have a longer scope in terms of you know its, its long-term cultural impact. But there is no denying past 30 years, Silicon Valley has to be number one. All right, Adam, go with it. What's your number one? It's my, right, my number, number one four. was New Orleans. Yep. Right. I, also on my list. <laughs> it, culturally speaking, I think that a, a, a lot of American culture, popular American culture is African-American culture. And all of that kind of begins in New Orleans with jazz that spreads and becomes, you know, blues and electric blues and then rock music and then rock becomes funk and funk becomes rap. And, you know, it all splits off into pop and punk and metal and every musical form we listen to can be rooted back to New Orleans jazz. So one, I think that's incredibly culturally significant. Two, I think for a lot of Americans, 2005 Hurricane Katrina is a cultural turning point. Mm, Yeah. where the relationship where I mean, I think a lot of the identity politics we see now comes from that time where there's a feeling across people of color in the country that, wow, this government really does not care about us. Yeah, I, I think you're I, I did not even think about the Katrina angle. I was thinking just strictly from a music and a music and art perspective, because I would contend you would not see. <laughs> You would not see the beat poets and the, you know, modern day rap and all those things without New Orleans culture because that, you know, it all starts with jazz. And so, you know, it's I feel like New Orleans is that city that everybody kind of gravitates towards in the South, even though even though I love Charleston is great and I really think it's the best city in the world. But. New Orleans to me is where really has a bigger impact on everything. But your idea about Katrina is absolutely correct because I think you're some of what you're seeing, the discontent and the rising up of the African-American culture and feeling like the government doesn't speak for them and doesn't have those and doesn't care about them can stem from that moment when they could not get water to Superdome. 
you know, you. It, it, you see these moments throughout history because you see it when um a lot of these guys, you know, kind of a comparison between the two. A lot of the, and I'm I'm not saying that people in modern like civil rights movements are like these people, but it, you can understand the dissatisfaction can lead to things like this. A lot of young Islamic men who ended up joining groups like ISIS or the Muslim Brotherhood in the 2000s, when they asked them why did they do it, it was because events like the 1995 NATO invasion of you know Bosnia, where Bosnia Muslims were getting massacred and war crimes where genocide was being committed against them and they weren't doing anything about it. Plus, like the invasion of Iraq made them feel like, wow, this global community, the West, does not care about the Islamic world. Yeah, I exactly. I think, I think you're 100. I think I think that's a that's a very interesting idea. And moreover, and this is not even close to a good reason. It's just cooler than everywhere else. God, like, it's a fun city. Like, like, say what you want to. New Orleans is just flat the definition of cool. Everything about it. it the way they do, you're, when your funerals are cool, you're a cool city, man. Like, it just, it's such a place where everything is just a little spooky and a little, it's just sexier, man. It, it's well, such yeah, a it, big it's thing. Not an, it's not an English settled city. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, its roots are not in prudish England, cold Episcopalians or prudent, you know, Christian <laughs> people who are going to be like, I heard he was dancing near a liquor store. (laughs) You know, it's not those types of people. It's a lot of fun. But New Orleans is also terrifying. So last, I'm going to tell a quick story because we need to have one silly story every episode. So the last time I was in New Orleans, my younger brother turned 21. And, you know, we're doing, you know, typical things you do when somebody turns 21. We're taking them out in the uh, streets and everything. And this homeless gentleman, uh, runs up to us and goes, hey, my man, I like them shoes. You want to shine? And my brother goes, oh, no, thank you, sir. And he's like, I'm going to get you one. And then hurls shoe polish onto my brother's shoe. (laughs) And so to prevent the dust up, I had to take my brother away. But needless to say, that put a real sour taste in our mouths for New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) That's great Great job, fellas. Great. Let me get that shoe shine. Swing. (laughs) Rage. In recap we said um that new orleans and silicon valley were the top cities that developed american culture but we left off york pa so we'll forever you know be disappointed in that but great job with new orleans and silicon valley um again you guys killed it on the list i i you know adam or, or mathis is always going religion you know judas judas and jerusalem he's always always hitting that up I'm very. I feel very guilty. I'm always guilty, man. I had like I got. I got to go pray after this. He's a good Methodist boy, and he's feeling an amount of guilt, and there's nothing wrong with that. It is the it is the Lenten season. I'm giving up all. I'm giving up broccoli. (laughs) What a what a sacrifice you're making. (laughs) You want to know what I actually gave up for Lenten season? What'd you give up? I will not go through a fast food place. Yeah. Wow. I believe I, I don't I don't believe that. I couldn't no, do no, that. No, hold, on, hold, on, hold on now. Hold on now. I did not say I will not go to a fast food restaurant. I just have to get out of the car. <laughs> I cannot go through the drive. <laughs> My daughter wouldn't eat if we didn't eat fast food because old McDonald's is always on the menu at the at the Burnett household. You know, you know, I realized how big of a fat boy I was the other day when I knew what two double cheeseburger combo and McDonald's was off the menu. Like I knew the number. Four thirty five. What? <laughs> 435. 
No, I'm talking about the number, like one through ten. I knew. What oh, I know was. how much it costs down to the penny because I've had to scrounge through that change bucket to find it. <laughs> well, it's a number nine combo. In case anybody listening is curious, and if you want the Nuggets, that's a number ten. Mathis, <laughs> Warzone update. Warzone update. I am still commander in chief at nine wins. Adam coming in a very very close second at seven. And no, but I'm in like a Napoleonic retreat out of yep. Russia right now. I'm getting. Um, I'm 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 and, winning this round. And Shane, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you right now. Shane is really kind of chasing his own tail back there. He is doing his best French impression of dropping down at two. Uh, it's really embarrassing. It's embarrassing for you, to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you this, Mr. Burnett. You win this game or you don't come back on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. I'm stacked right now. Yeah, so am I. You think that you're going to get me in the Pacific Northwest. You'll see, sir. I'm going to keep Portland weird. All right. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate you listening again. If you have any comments, you want to send us your own list, you want to yell at Adam for only talking about food, you can email us at perlopodcast at gmail.com. That's P-E-R-L-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Sponsorship people, listen, hey, we're listening. We will we will definitely take what you have to say in consideration. We're looking for fo- food and those LeBron James hair plugs. Those are the two things that we're looking for. <laughs> Keep reaching out to us on Twitter. What's our Twitter, Mathis? You're in charge of that. Twitter is Perlo underscore podcast. Yeah, we have a Twitter. Yeah, we do. Yeah, listen, man, I'm going all out. I'm trying to not work anymore. I just want to do this. You are, you are very much trying to pivot. We are. (laughs) Listen, I know people are podcasting. There's, you know, Joe Rogan and all these other podcasts been going for a while. It's still an underutilized entertainment industry, and we're getting in not the ground floor, but we're still early in the in the building. So I'm happy about that. Um, thanks again for everyone for listening this week. Uh, you will hear this on a Wednesday, March 4th. You'll hear us on Wednesday, March 4th. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this on your ride to work. And we'll see you again, or you'll hear us again in two weeks. And we'll have more clarity on the Democratic primary race. And we'll have a bigger clarity on the XFL standings by then. I'm amazed it's still going on. I really thought we'd be talking about the the end of that league by now. I kind of love it. <laughs> See ya. I kind of love watching it. Bye.